forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning or winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hey everybody, I am Paul Shear. And I'm Nick Giovanetti. And we are the writers of Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. Uh, you might know me. I've been on shows uh, like The League and Black Monday. And I host a podcast called How Did This Get Made and Unspooled. Uh, and I write comic books and uh, video games, uh, Far Cry, uh, the Far Cry series, Five and New Dawn. Uh, I also wrote Just Cause 4. And Nick and I have actually been working uh, on comic books for a little while now. We uh, did an Adult Swim animated pilot, and we've written our own comic book uh, for Boom called Aliens vs. Parker, which caught the eye of Jerry Duggan, who brought us in to write a Deadpool annual. That was like kind of our first book together. We wrote, uh, I guess, the we brought back to life Brute Force. Yes. And uh, in, in between those times, we've written um, some other Deadpools. We've written some Spider-Mans. We've written some uh, Guardians of the Galaxy team-ups. And this is the first time we've ever kind of tackled uh, a series, like an actual real series. A mini-series for Marvel, yeah, yeah. Usually we just kind of do the one-offs, which are a lot of fun because we can just kind of pop in, uh, <laughs> have some fun and get out and not worry about the heavy lifting of a full arc. And it's incredibly hard to do a full arc. And we were tasked with this character who – has quickly kind of become beloved. Like the Cosmic Ghost yeah. Rider, uh, you know, which was created by Donny Cates, just kind of exploded. And we had the daunting task of being the number two. So if Donny Cates created like the Sean Connery version, we are George Lazenby. We come, we're coming in right behind. I always feel uh, like we're uh, Colin Quinn taking over SNL after Norm MacDonald, <laughs> where he just has that thing where he's talking about the bartender and your usual bartender yeah. that you love is not there today. But here I am. Let me get you a beer. And that's what I feel like. <laughs> and but the good news is that uh, we are friends with Donny. And we actually talk to Donny a lot in kind of the way that we wanted to approach the character. We talked to him about the way that he approached the character and and really what we wanted to do with the book. And what we were really tasked with with Marvel was to celebrate Marvel histories. Yep. So every one of our books um, kind of looks at one character in the Marvel universe. Our first book was all about the Fantastic Four, the, yep. the first Marvels. Uh, our second book was about Spider-Man. And today we're going to be talking about our third book, uh, which is about X-Men, which I think was actually a or really- extra power men <laughs> as they are originally known. We, I mean, this is kind of a daunting one because, you know, we were, Nick has been doing actually a lot of the deep dive research, going into the Marvel app and reading a shitload of stuff. And I think what yeah. you were finding was that the, the X-Men stories are like soap operas. It's like, yeah, yeah. Binge on General Hospital. Or I mean, uh, you know, Spider-Man's a soap opera too, but the X-Men more so in that they're classics. Uh, you know, like the the Jean Grey saga is just like ten books, thirteen right. books. Uh, so it's it's hard to kind of condense uh, what would be you know a year's worth of comic books into. You know, a couple, yeah, a couple uh, pages, yeah, a couple pages. Because we're trying to knock out about four um, stories from these characters' past, like at, at this at this at this point, yeah, we we try to touch on uh, three to four stories uh, up until book three, and I think um, as you'll find out in book three, we're kind of leading to a change uh, that occurs. Yeah, in and book four, and it's kind of been fun. So, just if you've not read any of the books, uh, the kind of the premise is is that obviously after Cosmic Ghost Rider has had to go back, you know, after he delivered Thanos back to the beginning of time, he's had to live through time again. Yeah. And he's been just kind of keeping himself entertained. And this book picks up uh, the day before Frank Castle's family is about to be killed. That's where we started book number one. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know exactly why he's there. And then we find out he's there to potentially prevent his family from being murdered. Like he's like, I've made a lot of changes since I've lived through this again. Why not uh, save my family? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the fun thing about Frank Castle's character is, he, you know, even as cosmic ghostwriter where he's gone insane. Uh, I think sometimes people often compare him to Deadpool, but I, I, I think that's um, what people don't kind of realize in a deeper dive is 
it's really when he's flamed on uh, that he's crazier. And I and I think we're 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 writing the flamed on things maybe a little bit sillier than Donnie did, but that's out of necessity for for w- what this book requires to kind yeah. of insert him in history. Um, but uh, where we're trying to 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 really uh, drive home is when he's human. He's still Frank Castle. Like, he's a little batty. He's a little bit changed. I, we like to think of him as, you know, it, he, he's, and Donnie kind of threw it out initially, which helped us, which is, you know, he's a little Bill Burrish. Right. Uh, and if you if you think about him as Bill Burr, it's like when he's Punisher, he might be Bill Burr at 20, full of rage, right? <laughs> mad at everything. And where we're seeing him now is like Bill Burr where he is now, where he's like, He's in therapy. He's trying to be. He's still got an attitude. He's still got anger, but it's not what he was. Like, yes. He's kind of looking. Uh, and and the, and the fun part of this book is, you know, this is an opportunity for him to reconnect with his family out through the other side, um, and then also with himself because yeah, because takes- Frank Castle that was with his family before he became the Punisher in the lore of Punisher he, didn't yeah. really spend this. Like we're trying to kind of create this. If you could go back and and do it again, he's he's kind of making up for lost time and maybe where he was emotionally that he couldn't be there for them. So that's kind of the, we've been having fun with that. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of splitting where a lot of the humor in Donnie's book kind of came from him being annoyed uh, or or, uh, kind of like the pleasure and pain, the comedy and tragedy. We're we're kind of splitting them up a little bit where it's like the flashbacks are the fun, silly stuff. Uh, And in the family, there's still kind of humor, um, but it's really about, catching up with the castles uh, after Frank has returned from war. Uh, either that's Vietnam for you, if you're an old school Punisher fan, right. or it's the Gulf War. Uh, but he's come, kind of come back. He's with PTSD. Uh, we've, we, for our, from our end, we're kind of basing it on the Garth Ennis version. Uh, so, you know, he's come back from Valley Forge. He's a little screwed up. He wants to go back to war. Um but uh, but he also kind of wants to be with his family. So he's he's struggling with a lot of, you know, we're not trying to bum everyone out, but we're also trying to speak to, you know, this this how how someone coming back from war changed kind of ripples out through the family. The the as we find out in this issue, uh, the daughter is getting fights in school and she's maybe a little bit more like old Frank Castle, uh, whereas uh, Frankie Jr., the one we met in the previous is a little bit more like Ghost Rider when he's flamed on, right. where he's just like a, a weirdo, silly uh, kid. And just so you know, uh, if you've not read these books right now, obviously Cosmic Ghost Rider's coming back. They don't know that he is Frank Castle. He's uh, under the guise of their Uncle Fredo. Yes. Um, which, fun fact, he really does have an Uncle Fredo who died in Sicily, was killed by the mob, and that's why the castles... Oh, oops, sorry. That's why the castles came to America. So this is picking up um, at book three with Uncle Fredo, a.k.a. Cosmic Ghost Rider, in the bedroom uh, of his daughter after she has just kind of gotten sent home from having a fight. Now, we're not going to go like panel by panel. We just want to kind of talk about what we what we wanted to do here. And, and I think, Nick, you were getting into it kind of perfectly with the idea that, you know, each one of these characters is representing um, – an issue, a ripple that Frank has created, the yep. Frank of of current day has created within this family. And so this, right now, his daughter is kind of acting out, and we don't know why. And at yeah. first, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider thinks it's uh, because she might be going through puberty, which- Yeah, she might be going through early puberty because in the earlier, in the previous issue, uh, there's kind of a line that seems kind of throwaway. Uh, uh, where um, Frankie just kind of says, like, you know, she's angry because she has boobs now. Right. Uh, so uh, that's what kind of uh, Ryder is going off of here. Uh, and he's very uncomfortable uh, because, you know, it's his daughter. Uh, and But he also knows she doesn't think of him, uh, you know, she thinks of him as his uncle. So this is a weird uncle talking to you about puberty, <laughs> yeah. which we kind of, and this is kind of what we were trying to have fun with is just kind of having these fun scenes of, of basically Frank Castle trying to connect. And yeah. yes, the want is there for him to connect, but the ability to do it uh, is not, I think, or, or it's a little uh, less than a well, normal dad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's, you know, kind of a working class blue collar guy. Uh, so, talking about feelings, talking about emotions. And, you know, uh, he was a Marine on top of that. Uh, so, you know, obviously this is something that in 
2019, people are still trying to get men to open up. Right. Uh, so basically what is might be the 1970s, uh, that's unheard of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just to talk about the art, too, uh, the art is done in this book by Nathan Stockman, who uh, his grade is actually doing uh, two books in our series. Or Yeah, yeah he, he's coming back for book five. And so uh, we're in Trudy's room. And basically what we're kind of realizing here in the beginning is, you know, the best way for him to connect with his daughter who's going through these changes or, yeah. or you know, she's growing up and, and, and having these issues, like anger issues. Uh, yeah is maybe to tell her about some of his adventures with yeah. the X-Men. Uh, initially choosing the X-Men because he, again, he's thinking it's uh, puberty uh, and this is a child. Uh, and, you know, the X-Men, uh, along with being a metaphor for civil rights, is also kind of like all these kids get powers when they go through puberty. Uh, so that's why he's initially selecting it, uh, but then chooses to pivot towards uh, just angry kids. Uh, <laughs> well, talk to me about this because, you know, Nick has a really great wealth of Marvel knowledge. And yeah. then I think has really expanded it because of the, what we've had to do in this book. And I've kind of come to comic books a little bit later. Like I came to comic books when I was in high school, but I read like more like, like, I feel like I was reading, like, the Joss Whedon X-Men, and I was reading, like, the death of Superman. I was in that, yeah. you know, but I wasn't, like, fully in just because I didn't have anyone to talk to it about. Like, For no sure. one, you know, it's a, but Also, then, when we came up, you you didn't wear it on your sleeve. Like, yeah. I read comic books up until high school, uh, and then in high school, I kind of put them away. And then when I was, like, a freshman in college— That's when I really got uh, into it. Yeah. I started getting into it because it was cheap entertainment, and comics were— Kind of well, the it was collapsing, but at the same time they were doing stuff like Garth Ennis was doing stuff. Grant Morris, I mean, those guys are all still working today, but it nope. was kind of in that boom of like amazing books coming out. I think the book that got me back into comics uh, was Astro City. I was like, oh, oh whoa, yeah, this, Kurt, Kurt, yeah, yeah, that, Kurt Busiek, right? Yeah, yeah, that whole series is is phenomenal. The fact that they have not made that into an HBO series boggles my mind. It's so perfectly yeah. made for that. It's like, in many ways, I think it's a more accessible Watchmen because it's sort of like it's putting spheres yeah. in real world situations and you get these big characters, but it's, I, I love that series. And that kind of really got me back in. But I know Nick going through this, like where did your experience with the X-Men kind of like where, who was your X-Men person? And, uh, yeah. uh, well, I, I, um, you know, cause when we were younger, X-Men, you know, the reason why the Avengers uh, are are a Marvel movie uh, and, you know, X-Men were at Fox and right. Spider-Man was at Sony was uh, at the time um, X-Men and Spider-Man were the big books and oh, yeah. the all the Avengers guys were kind of secondary, well, less important characters. It was when you came home and watched on Fox or, you yeah, know, yeah. it was like watching the- Oh, the X-Men cartoon was Great. a religion. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Good. When you hear that theme song kick in. Uh, and that's, you know, that's where the voice of Wolverine formed in, I think, in everyone's head yeah. of, you know, slice and dice, bub. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's the one that, you know, before Hugh Jackman, that's the one where all uh, anyone that's kind of has seen that cartoon. That's what you think of. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I uh, uh, when I started reading uh, X-Men, I read them when I was younger. Um, so there was the Claremont uh, stuff. Uh, but I really got into them. Um, in the 90s, when uh, right before Jeff Johns came on, there was a big Kang Dynasty right. uh, story. Um, and um, and then Johns picked it up. Uh, and, it, you know, after after the Kang Dynasty stuff, the book just really drew me in. And I, well, Kang Dynasty was Avengers, sorry. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think of X-Men. Oh, oddly enough, it's the one uh, Chuck Austin who – I think is his name. He gets a lot of trouble uh, where people say he's the worst X-Men writer really? ever. Uh, and I don't, I don't understand it, you know, uh, because he wrote uh, this X-Men story uh, where Juggernaut became a good guy. Right. And he kind of filled the Wolverine slot in the okay. book. And that was like my favorite thing in the world was Juggernaut being a good guy, getting paired with this little kid who he was helping out. Yeah. It was beautiful. Like I loved it. Um, so that, uh, that in the nineties is what brought me back, which is oddly enough, something that most people are like, that made me run away from the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just love bad guys. Uh, I like asshole characters. I like bad guy characters, but I like bad guys that are 
you know, have a good, have something more to them. Right. Uh, you know, so the idea of this like dumb bruiser uh, guy who's been a bully his entire life now kind of, it's like Cobra Kai, the yeah. TV series yeah. where it's like, it's the bully trying to teach the nerd ha- how to be a cool guy. Yeah. which <laughs> uh, So that's why, you know, uh, and I enjoy Cobra Kai as well. So um, how did you pick this? Because I, I know that like this first story uh, that we get into here in the book. Yeah. Uh, we picked this one just because uh, ultimately uh, when we initially outlined the book, we just kind of broadly spoke to, okay, here's some, you know, Paul and I threw out arcs that we were like, oh, these are, these might be kind of fun to touch on. Uh, this was one that got promoted for the book. So yeah. we, we, we got kind of locked in also the movies coming out this summer. So it felt kind of, yeah, it felt, uh, felt it feels like one of the classic stories. I think. That oh yeah, I mean, for most people, it's the it's the the one that they know. It's the if it's not number one, it's the top three. Right. And so we just wanted to get in here, and I think what what was kind of a fun thing was to uh, tell the story, and we got to do it in a very kind of quick way. We have these two splash pages uh, as as Ryder has turned in, uh, into like uh, the Phoenix, like uh, or I mean, uh, you know, like 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 which I think kind of covers a lot of the fun beats. You know, what's funny is, uh, you know, uh, I think when we first kicked this idea, I, I we, you know, oh, Ryder gets a Phoenix Force. Uh, and then we kind of forgot about it. And I think the first two drafts, Ryder wasn't getting the power. Right. Uh, and then Darren, uh, our editor at Marvel, uh, lovely editor, uh, we're working with uh, Darren and Lauren, <laughs> Uh, and uh, Danny and Jordan. I laugh when we t- say Darren because we really run him through the ring oh, on yeah, yeah. so many things. I feel like, bad. Yeah, because it's hard because, you know, I think Nick and I always will want to push things a little bit in in, in uh, tone and everything like that. And we have to create a book that it's not like a, it's not an adult book, you know? Yeah, or, yeah. You know and and we, we learned that even with Spidey when we did our Deadpool Spider-Man. It's yeah. like, we, there's just gotta, there's, you know, we had Spider-Man in a scene with bad guys and we couldn't do that if he wasn't like yeah. basically arresting them or, or holding them for the cops. Like we couldn't have him associate with bad guys. It's, and so this has been a, a, a hard, you know. A, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, there's certain, you know, we were used to Deadpool mm-hmm. and Guardians who who have a little bit more freedom yeah. to, to kind of do w- whatever we want to do. But when you're talking about the Fantastic Four, if you're talking about especially Spider-Man, who kind of kept the lights on for the company for so long and means so much to children uh, that it was just like, you know, when we were doing that Deadpool issue, it was a little rough. Mar- but the thing I'll say for Marvel is um, the, the and why we have such a great time is the, they always work with us. Like yeah. they always like they always just go, OK, you can't do this. But what about this? And sometimes they come up with amazing ideas that are, you know, as funny as what, what we're going to do. So, uh, I mean, but this is a book where, I mean, in the Hellfire Club, this, yeah. is, a, this is a good, there's a couple of moments in this book yeah. that we got very, <laughs> where there was actually one emergency change, which we can get into in a little bit. But the Hellfire Club, you know, we have, I mean, let's talk about that, that scene here where you kind of see him, uh, yeah. you see a little of uh, Ghost Rider's ass. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so uh, uh, Darren uh, had uh, Zafino, uh, who's doing our covers, an amazing job, draw Cosmic jo- oh. uh, Ghost Rider as the Phoenix. Uh, and once I saw that, I was like, "What am I thinking? Why didn't I not do this uh, right from the jump? I got to do this." So once the we hit that, I was like, "Oh, it'd be funny to put him in the beats and that make him the White Queen." Yeah. Uh, and I think the original draft, um, if I remember correctly, yes, I did. Uh, uh, definitively say that the hellfire club was a sex club. <laughs> uh, and we, one of our notes back from Darren is, uh, yeah, we don't actually say it's a sex club. And I was like, okay, but you know, everyone's in dominatrix yeah. outfit, but okay. It's not really. So not official Canon sex club, unofficial Canon. It's a sex club. <laughs> um, so we got to go through the beats here in this guy. I love the way that uh, Nate drew these, this, like kind of, um, this splash, this two splash pages here. There is, uh, we just kind of hit some of the major beats. Uh, 
Uh, and just and it, it's it's a great way for us to kind of cover a lot of ground. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was the idea behind the splash was to quickly tell this story uh, and kind of sum it up and do, you know, a lot of this is sort of like a little drunk history. Um, I, right. I, I will say that Paul and I, uh, some people debate on whether these changes are occurring or not or what's going on. Uh, that that's kind of uh, built in uh, with the idea of an unreliable, uh, unreliable narrator telling the story. Um, but I will say. It's probably more true than not. Yeah, it's not. We're not creating what ifs. I think a lot of people have been talking about the book as if it's like a what if. It's yeah. not a what if. It's it is because nothing ultimately is being erased from existence. We're yeah. just slightly tweaking. We're, we're we're nudging it. It's still. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's definitely been in book two. We undo the clone saga. Right. Uh, so thankfully you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, or the second one, uh, but, um, so, you know, there, there are things that are radically shifted, uh, but ultimately we're kind of, uh, you know, Ryder is messing with history and he's toying around and he's inserting himself in, uh, but you know, it's still kind of going towards the same yeah. place. We're still kind of ending up in the same outcome. You will see as, uh, as our series wraps up in book six, just exactly how grounded this world is. We're going to yeah, do yeah. some stuff that I feel like we're building towards something. We don't want to make this book completely disposable. And that was our, our issue when we talked to Darren about it. We wanted yeah. to create, you know, being tasked with going through Marvel history is tricky. And you see like there's a lot of Marvel books right now where they're, everyone's kind of doing their kind of salute to the 80 years of Marvel. And we wanted to do something that just felt like, we are acknowledging it, but we're adding to it. And we wanted to kind of kind of firmly plant this new character throughout the history. Yeah, I mean, our, our goal is to kind of celebrate, uh, you know, we, we pick a lot of great uh, art. We pick arcs from a lot of great writers and artists. Um, sometimes uh, we, we kind of choose ones that aren't movies or haven't right. really been covered. Um, Especially and, in Spider-Man, we tried very hard to get away from the kind of any, the staple stories that you knew. Yes. Uh, and uh, And the goal was, you know, I think it's, pretty funny if you know the story. Uh, and then I think it's, I think most of these, because a lot of people aren't this into Mar. you know, a lot of younger readers don't know yeah. uh, about this history and, and they're still really enjoying it. Uh, so, our, our, you know, our hope is just to kind of celebrate these stories and maybe you go back and, and pick them up. And, and just to speak on uh, Nathan real quick, Nate did such a, a great job with this series and he kind of wrote to us, saying that he got into comics because of um, an issue that's coming up later. Uh, And that's, it's been so fun to watch him get to redraw these classic beats. And and it's been fun for all the artists. Uh, Todd Nuck uh, did our first book, our fourth book, and is going to do our sixth. Um, To see these, you know, younger artists tackle the classics has been so much fun. Because you can see it in their pages, the, the joy they're having uh, getting it, to put their own spin on it. I mean, it's everyone's, the art in this has been great. And I I will say that I, th- I think what we really have liked is not trying to recreate panels. Like yeah. we're not, we're, we are staying true to stories. And sometimes you'll be surprised at the, the things that characters are saying, like, oh, that's a joke. No, no, that was actually in yeah. some Marvel books. And then other things are jokes, but we're trying to keep it so the art feels fresh, but then we're doing a thing with the coloring that yeah. makes it feel a little bit more classic. And I, I love that the way that the books have been looking a little bit. Yeah, the, the Zipatone effect uh, for the flashbacks. Uh, so yeah, so uh, the the first flashback is sort of, uh, it is basically, uh, you know, the Gene, Death of Gene Grey uh, saga as told um, with Ryder uh, yeah. in the pieces. And, and the comedy kind of comes from, you know, put, inserting Ryder into that situation, you know? So when they have the big fight uh, at the sh- with the Shi'ar uh, for honor uh, over what happens to Jean Grey, Cosmic Ghost Rider being a cosmic character with relationships outside of Earth just stays out of the fight. Right. Because he can't get in there. Because he's got both sides of the table here, <laughs> you know, he's got stake in. So um, that, that's that been kind of the, the, the fun gray area. Uh, then after that, we which leads us into um, 
This was actually the story that uh, Nathan referenced, uh, which is from Grant Morrison's run, which is Murder at the Mansion. Yeah, and this is like a this is an, an interesting one. Like I I like this story, and it was something that I kind of found here. Like I did not I'd not really read it before you brought it to my attention. Yeah, it's such a uh, you know I love Grant Morrison, so uh, it was a it was a very you know uh, well, Paul and I chatted on stuff. Uh, you know Paul in the last book. Uh, had Doomed Affair, which I think turned out to be one of our best flashbacks because it's such a great MJ, Peter, and you got Doom yeah. uh, story. So, uh, you know, we, we just kind of throw around the ones that kind of spoke to us when we were younger. Uh, and Grant Morrison's run on the X-Men is uh, like, w- you know, one of my favorites. So, And we're hoping to do, when we put this as a trade, to um, do a little bit of uh, an annotated version of it so we can actually see yeah. all the original art. And you can kind of see, we were talking to Marvel about that. And I think it would be a really cool book because you can go, you can kind of see both sides of it. And I feel like a lot of people don't know what's real, what's not real. And I think that's been the fun of it. And Spider-Man, the reaction to the Spider-Man book was so kind of, uh, I think well received because people are so familiar with Spider-Man. Whereas yeah. X-Men, I think people are probably... I think like Spider-Man, sorry, Spider-Man and X-Men are are so beloved. Uh, yeah. Fantastic Four, I think, is love, but it's it's they, kind of been out of the loop for a they, bit. It's, yeah, uh, they they're very beloved, but they they were out of the loop for a little bit. Um, and um, you know, and also the other part of this is is you know, for for most of these stories. W- we're kind of deep diving into like some, we'll do like a story from the 60s, 70s, early 80s, which a lot of people aren't familiar with. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the Fantastic Four, you know, first issue, for all the people who love them today, not many people have read uh, that original issue. Um, so the story, uh, to take it to X-Men, yeah. uh, is Murder at the Mansion. Uh, it's a murder mystery involving uh, the death of Emma Frost. Uh, because at the time, Emma Frost has just started, uh, let's say, more emotionally cheating with Scott right. Summers. Like, they had never physically uh, yeah. acted on it. Uh, but if you're dating a psychic like Jean Grey, that's uh, just as bad. Uh, <laughs> which is also a weird story to tell your nine-year-old daughter. Yeah. Uh, so she's a little bit uncomfortable with where this story <laughs> yeah. begins. Uh, again, Frank is, uh, you know— everyone is a child to him. He's millions of years old. Uh, so he's kind of, um, you know, he, he's, and he, in true to uncle fashion, he's not really great at right, filtering yes. himself on what is appropriate for a child to hear. <laughs> well, I do love the way this kind of, uh, this is one of my favorite jokes. Uh, when you sent it to me in the first pass, I was like, oh my gosh. I, because he basically tells a story about this murder mystery. They figure out who the killer is and then she just leaves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, and, and Frank's daughter's like, wait, wait, what happened? She got away? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, the, for a little while. And, and then, you know, and then they, they kind of catch up with her later. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, like, it does speak to those like X-Men books where it's like, Okay, yeah, there's no, like, definitive end. Yeah, it's really soap opery, uh, you know, which is the – it's the strength of Marvel, you know? It's – it's um, Keeps you in. It, well, it's about the characters, you yeah. know? It's, a, it's about their life drama uh, and not really about the superpowers. Um, and so now this is one of my favorite things that we found, that we – we talked a little bit about Wolverine, our next flashback. Uh, well, let's oh, just oh, speak okay. on uh, – Oh, yeah, sure. Because this is where uh, – Right after that story is where uh, Frank kind of digs in with his daughter and and starts to, you know, kind of ask her about what's going on with the fight. Right. Because uh, he's trying to help her here. And he finds out she beat up a bully uh, and it was two boys. And he gets really excited about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, because it's a little girl beating up two boys. Fun fact, my sister beat up my bullies when I was little. Whoa. She beat up three boys uh, <laughs> that were older than me. She's two years younger than me. She was like four or five oh, and beat the brakes off of kids that were uh, six, seven, and I think nine uh, that were bullying me down in the basement. So uh, she clawed them with her nails, uh, Wolverine Jeez. style. So, yeah, that's – and my sister's name is Lisa. So it seemed kind of natural. But uh, why Frank is kind of connecting to it is if you think about her beating up bullies, it's a little like Frank Castle 
going after mobsters. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, it's she's mirroring him. She sees something she doesn't like, uh, an injustice, and she's correcting it with her fists, uh, which is, you know, it, she's a chip off the old block. And, and Frank likes it, but he also knows that, like— That's not the best way to kind of— It got him into trouble. Right. Like, looking back at his life, it was not a great way— Right. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not what you want your nine year old daughter <laughs> to go down that ro- that route. Uh, so then he decides to tell a story uh, because of his own anger uh, issues. He tells a story about uh, the the two kind of angriest guys who keep making bad decisions. Uh, a great story from The Punisher from Garth Ennis, uh, which I was actually thrilled that Marvel let us touch on, uh, which is the uh, when. Uh, Punisher and um, Wolverine are hunting down someone's cut, chopping off the limbs of bad guys. Yes. Uh, and they both uh, start going down this path of investigation that leads them into the same spot. And it being kind of a fun team-up book, they both think the other one is responsible for this sick action, uh, and they end up fighting, uh, which, which kind of happens here. But you also find out uh, in this book that uh, Ryder and Wolverine don't get along right at, at all. Uh, they have beef. They have history. Technically, this one takes place uh, in the uh, kind of future. Uh, yes, and we kind of seeded this relationship early on. We talked about yeah. this a little bit in the, earlier in the book, like that uh, Ryder won't involve himself in the fight with the ex. Like that, like yeah, that's yeah. how we kind of started off their, yes. their kind of uh, budding. But I was saying oh, uh, yeah. chronologically, technically this takes place, uh, you know, when he's the Punisher and, okay. and, and you know, after his family has died. Uh, the idea being that he, this might be just him telling uh, a story about his days as the Punisher. Got it. Uh, where he's inserted himself in it. Um, or it might've happened earlier. Time in comic books moves weird. Yeah, well, like we said. Uh, and like uh, we'll point out later, uh, don't overthink it. Just <laughs> enjoy the ride. Uh, but I love this issue because it was so uh, perverse yeah. a- and silly uh, because the villains turn out to be – it's the brother of uh, one of the guys in the the magia, the mafia in, in Marvel world uh, who, is a, who is a little person. Uh, so, and he got bullied every day in his life and because Punisher has taken out a couple central, uh, figures in the New York crime world, this guy decided to make his move and become the king of New York. Uh, (laughs) and by doing so, he, all the guys, he bullies him, he cuts off their, uh, legs at the knees and turns them into little people. (laughs) Uh, so in the, in, in the actual Garth, I mean, in this is, I mean, this is, is, yeah, this is not, we have not made this up. This (laughs) is the real thing. Yeah. Uh, so in this book, uh, uh, Punisher and here played by Ryder, uh, and Wolverine, um, Basically go after like a hundred little people yeah. and, you know, slice dice and murder the crap out of them. Uh, but that fight and uh, anger and the steamroller at the end, it's like that's all from Garth Ennis. Uh, we just uh, added some silliness right. to Punisher's voice. But, uh, the sil- you know, but the silliness of the story was, you know, that's pure beauty of Garth yeah. Ennis. I mean, it's such a it's such a fun book. And I think. In a weird way, you know, when, when you think about X-Men, we really went, uh, I think, you know, and as part of it is, I think, keeping us entertained and finding things that would be challenging and a little yeah. bit different. Like, that's, I don't think that's the the X-Men story that you're going to put in mission. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a Punisher book, but yeah, but also it's like right. when you think of classic X-Men stories uh, that haven't been covered, it's like, to me, this is the... If you told someone and went, you know, there was a book where Wolverine and the Punisher beat up a bunch of little people, <laughs> they would go, what? Yeah. I mean, it was great. And I think what I like, too, and I think just because it's fun to write when it is two people, like yeah. this buddy cop thing. And the X-Men, there are so many characters, yeah. so many things to kind of Well, and, and I will say, of. the other thing is, it's not, the joke isn't that it's little people. No, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's you know, cause these are the bad guys. It's not right. like little people are bad and we're going to do it. Yeah. It's just like, this is a new gang 
that right. just happens to be little people, uh, which I think is why we got away with sort of re- revisiting the story. And we even kind of reference uh, the idea of, should I even be doing this? Yeah. Like, uh, And then he goes like, no, I have to kill them because otherwise I'd be a dick if I didn't. Right. These are, these are bad guys. These are the mafia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, that kind of leads us to uh, the thing that we've kind of been building for. Uh, which is seeing young Frank Castle at 27, 28, uh, returning home. He's, yeah, he's, so basically Ryder has been here talking to his son, talking to his uh, his wife, wife, talking to his daughter, and we don't know where Frank is, the Frank of the present day. Yeah. And uh, and then this is kind of the big reveal here. Yeah, right and, after he's told a, an incredibly inappropriate story to tell a child uh, with the grisly murder of <laughs> hundreds of, uh, you know, a hundred guys uh, and Wolverine getting his face uh, peeled off and, you know, getting run over by a, a cosmic steamroller. Uh, you know, the parent comes home, which yeah. is uh, not ideal uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're, if you're telling a crazy story like that. Uh, but the thing that's kind of great here is, you know, Frank is, Different, you know, old Frank and young Frank are two different people. So when when young Frank comes home and he sees this stranger in his house, in like on his daughter's bed, on a, yeah, yeah, uh, that has said he's his uncle, uh, like Uncle Fredo, Uncle Fredo, uh, a man he's never met, uh, who looks like him, yeah, but at the same time he has no clue. Who, who he is, and he's been hanging out with his family all day. Uh, you know, he's Frank has probably talked to his wife and his son and heard about this guy who's here. So we, uh, we're basically setting up this moment where you're like, what is going to happen? Knowing what yeah. we know of Frank Castle from this period of time, uh, as we described earlier, like, you know, where his mindset is. He comes home to find a strange man in his daughter's bedroom. What can happen next? And yeah. uh, we... We can't tell. You can't tell. Yeah, like Frank's kind of playing it. Uh, you know, he keeps hammering home F- Uncle Fredo. Right. You know, he, he keeps saying like, yeah, Uncle Fredo. And the daughter wants to hear another story. And, you know, and Frank just kind of goes, yeah, tell me one more. You know, tell me one of your stories, Uncle Fredo. And this uh, is, I think, my favorite story in the book, which we go- jump into now, which is kind of, it's like an amalgam, but we're kind of we're kind of playing with time here too. I mean, this yeah, is like, this is Days Future Past, which is you know an X Men classic, and they even did a movie version of it. Yeah, uh, in the original, it involved Kitty Pride and Wolverine, um, and uh, it takes place in uh, I think it's nineteen eighty four and twenty thirteen or two thousand and seven. Basically, both the past and the future. We've passed both of those in the timeline. So these are technically both in the past, which we kind of explain, but just call it the future. Exactly. Uh, And the idea is that uh, the same sort of similar inciting incident uh, that occurred uh, originally in Days Future Past uh, has rippled out. But Ryder has lived in this existence for 30 years. Yes. And Uh, and this is – yeah. So, again, enjoy the ride on this one. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryder has kind of become – Kind of like uh, that character from Mad Max, uh, the new Mad Max. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, He's gotten into the idea of, you know, in in this dystopian future uh, where some of New York is, you know, bombed out and apocalyptic, uh, there there were these uh, gangs of villains. I think they were called the Ravers or not the Ravers, the... I forget what they're called, but it, when you first meet Kitty Pryde, yeah. she's meeting like a, a an apocalyptic gang and she's yeah. in a fight and then Wolverine shows up. Uh, and what we find out is uh, Ryder is the gang uh, yes. and, and uh, he, they're in Ryder territory uh, and he uh, has killed Wolverine uh, and Kitty Pryde is dying. Uh, you find out that she was kind of collateral in this fight with Wolverine. You see Wolverine's skeleton in the, in the first panel there. Uh, it's kind of covered up by a world balloon, but that's what happens when you write too many, too much text. Uh, <laughs> uh, you cover up the beautiful art. Uh, but Ryder is, uh, you know, kind of gotten into the warlord idea. He's like, you know, this jammer's mine. Yeah. You're in my territory. Just give it to me. Uh, and he decides to, you know what, if these two X-Men are willing to die for this, let me just try to sell the part back to him. So he goes to see the X-Men and we find a very different uh, X-Men 
because of the weirdness of Ryder being in the universe and because of something else, which you'll also find out uh, within this page, uh, instead of um, Rachel Summers uh, and, uh, you know, and Wolverine being there, uh, they're replaced by Artie and Leech and uh, Blade yeah. the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, one, again, Ryder's weird. And, and that, we had to kind of fight for that. To, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because we, we had to explain how the ripple worked right. and why it would change things and not in the past, but in the future. Uh, and then the other reason why everything has changed is we find out uh, that Magneto is not leading the X-Men. Uh, in the wheelchair is Old Man Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> and it's because uh, this was uh, Deadpool intervening because the idea of – a character retconning themselves kind of comedically into the history of something yeah. is a very Deadpool thing. Uh, so Deadpool has shown up uh, in this because he's like, you know, uh, Look, only a handful of years ago, Deadpool killed Marvel history, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Punisher has too, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Deadpool has, you know, he's been in, uh, you know, Secret Wars. Uh, they've kind of uh, no, but didn't that that was the whole book? It was like, De- oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. Deadpool kills Marvel, like yeah, just, yeah. Like, yeah. Went through and just like so Deadpool isn't happy uh, <laughs> with this kind of interloper, and uh, because uh, Kitty has died. Uh, they have to get someone to send back who doesn't have the mind training to block right. uh, the the psychic kind of attack. Uh, so Deadpool's just like, we'll send Ryder. And he's like, you know, it would have been me, but apparently this has been done too much. Right. Uh, <laughs> and he's kind of been pissed off. So he's kind of upset. Uh, so they send Ryder back in time and Ryder ends up in uh, Kitty's body. Uh, and this is one of the panels that we did have to change yeah, uh, yeah. because when Ryder wakes up in Kitty's body, he has a, uh, a woman's body and, uh, and, and his kind of full, uh, you know, flamed on uh, energies yeah. kind of excited about uh, enjoying that body for a second or, or just yeah. or he surprised was, he, was, he was touching his chest and going, am I a woman? Yeah. Uh, and then the joke from, uh, Wolverine was, She's 13, bub. Yeah. And then he panics and goes like, oh, no, sorry. I, you know, I didn't know. Right. Uh, which uh, is, which moment. again, I understood that, uh, you know, there's jokes that you take to the line. Yeah. Uh, and I felt that because he felt shame yeah. uh, that we, okay. we, we brought it right to the line. I understand that where my line is is not for <laughs> everyone. And we discovered it's definitely not for uh, Marvel. But literally at the last second, this book was going to print. Yeah. And um, we just basically had a uh, writer kind of. Uh, clutching at his Nate breast. did a yeah last minute kind of retouch. And it's amazing. We just quickly changed the dialogue. And I love that there is still, uh, you know, a world out there where you can kind of make these changes. I had um, a friend who worked on, uh, was it uh, Bruno? The, the, um, the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen movie. And the, uh, the day that movie premiered, uh, Michael Jackson passed away. And they just cut out like literally in the projection booth on the day of the premiere, cut out all the references to Michael Jackson because he has like Latoya in that. Movie oh yeah, yeah. And they're like, like, but they said they were like in there with like scissors and putting things back together because they didn't want to upset anybody. And so rarely in this business do you get a, a moment where you're just like getting it right on air. Like back when we did Human Giant, we'd be running a tape to like the central place to broadcast it out. I know South Park does that too, like the last second, but it was so fun to kind of feel like, oh shit, we got to fix this immediately. It's going to the printer right now. This is one panel and everyone's uh, clawing at it, getting it ready to go. Yeah, thankfully I, I felt like we didn't, lose anything we still got no, to yeah. make a little bit of joke there and and you know once again M- marvel w- was um you know e- e- even though they were like hey this is this is you know a non-starter uh, yeah. right now um it w- they still kind of helped uh in sort of course correct and finding a happy medium and, and working with us uh, so it, you know it was really great so we find out Ryder is here uh kind of filling the kitty role uh, and you know, they're not sure if it's Ryder or not. Uh, and then he gets into uh, a fight with Wolverine kind of, you know, yells at him. Yeah. Wolverine's like, no, this, this is definitely the asshole that's been bothering me. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, then we go into the future and, you know, everything's kind of following days, future past, but with, uh, Ryder in, uh, which is, you know, 
it's fun. I don't want to spoil the the jokes or, or yeah. deep dive too, too much into it. Uh, but after we leave that, we um, we basically have uh, Frank, our yeah. modern day Frank, take Ryder. Yeah, like, uh, let's uh, let's have a beer, and we go out. Yeah, and, and the whole thing for Ryder uh, is he's not sure what young Frank is thinking. Like he was worried at first, but Frank's been kind of like just not saying anything and hearing him out. So Ryder's kind of thinking like, I did this. Uh, I think uh, I may have uh, done yeah, this. Yeah. Like yeah. I think, I think I may have done this, you know, we're going to grab a beer in the kitchen uh, and they're, and they're kind of connecting uh, and it leads to, you know, they're in the garage and, uh, and I love this final panel, you know, basically he thinks everything's going well. And then uh, it quickly is not. Yeah. You, he quickly realizes that younger him is definitely not cool. Uh, with this man and uh you know the the line is uh he obviously uh, thinks Frank is a hippie because he's got long hair yeah uh and uh you know he kind of calls him out and says my uncle Fredo died you know before I was born uh so you know Frank knows the story uh so you know who the fuck are you and w- what do you want with my family uh so the the one thing I will say is a lot of our cliffhangers to this point have been sort of setting the table, Rather than something that you find out in the next issue, mm-hmm. it's really setting the table for what's going to happen in the in the back couple issues. Yeah, because we have a lot we have a lot happening. This is where yeah. everything's kind of building up, and I think this is where this book is a great illustration of what we're trying to do underneath the assignment of the yeah. fun flashbacks, which is like tell a, a real story with this. Yeah, this. and it was for us. It was about you know oddly enough the 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 thing that only a couple people have mentioned, which is. Frank's family hasn't really been covered in the yeah. comics. They're seen in quick flashbacks. It's a, uh, you know, but the, very personality less like they're just no more personality. Like, oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, the it's Maria meeting Frank at the airport when he's come home from war. You know, it's the family having the picnic at Central right. Park. Uh, but you're never really spending time with them. So we we wanted to go down this road of we're setting up where we're going towards this thing where Ryder is. um here to save his family and kind of put him in a better place right. to succeed uh, after he saves them. Uh, and, you know, so we're kind of setting the table and Owatu's not really thrilled with uh, everything that's going on. He's kind on. of been the antagonist of Ryder throughout this whole uh, series. So. Yeah. And he's not thrilled the, the way it's going. Um, so uh, in this book, it's uh, we're setting up and, uh, the, the, and this teaser will be, directly picked up in book four, yeah. uh, which is the uh, Frank on Frank uh, <laughs> and, action. And I just want to call it this last page here. It's a, again, Nate just did a great job throughout this entire book, but I love what uh, it's basically uh, Frank, modern day Frank, uh, shown over Ryder and he's got a baseball bat in his hands, uh, modern day Frank. And the way that the, the light is coming in through the windows, it is evocative of the Punisher, the you know, because it has a uh, yeah. little bit. It just, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a slight nod to it. it's, it's the window panes, but there is yeah. something very cool uh, that he just did there. Yeah, it looks made, like the the bottom part of the the, the skull, and yeah. we, we sent a reference to um, um, some Tim Bradstreet uh, covers, uh, and then you know, obviously s- some of the you know Garth Ennis era Punisher, because we really wanted this beat and leading into the next one to have a little bit of that flavor. Um, so that's book three. And to give you a little preview of where we're going, uh, the next book is going to focus on uh, uh, World War II. I mean, we're, yeah. we're going to get into World War II. We're going to see a little bit of Nick Fury. We're going to see uh, Cap, of yeah. course. We're going to see Red Skull. Uh, and then after that book, we're moving into Avengers, Avengers which another tough kind of uh, – Stories to kind of tackle and figure yeah. out what, you know, what's the team, what's the team that's going to tell us the best stories. And then it all kind of wraps up in six, which we won't tell you too much about. But um, basically, this book is, it's basically running out of runway in the sense of the lies, the stories, the, the everything's kind of catching up with yeah. Ryder and, uh, and, by book six. And I also, in book four, uh, there's kind of a tonal shift a little bit, whereas before he's, he's. Uh, I, I will say the stories are still fun and funny, uh, but he's not talking to Maria, who's lovely and fun, uh, or, or his kids, who are great. 
he's talking to Frank Castle, yeah. uh, a man who doesn't care about superheroes. Uh, the only one he likes really is Cap, right? Because he served in World War II, uh, and um, he doesn't want to hear these stories because he thinks everything's bullshit. Right. So the way we attack World War II is a little bit different uh, tonally. Uh, it's maybe a little bit more adult yeah. uh, th- th- than some of the other ones. Uh, and it's also not uh, a bunch of stories. It's kind of one which, long story. Yeah, which I really like the way that we kind of told. We just made it a little bit more about World War II and not just about like, you know, we didn't do the kind of other post-cap stories. Like yeah, we, no, we, 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 we kind of tied into three points uh, that happened in Cap's History or World War in Marvel, yeah. let's say Marvel uh, world history, uh, and, and kind of build f- from there. So, uh, but yeah. not to give too much away. But we're excited uh, to kind of be tackling this. And again, it's a lot of material that we have in front of us, and it's been really fun to kind of find these stories. And if you've been enjoying what we've been doing, we go back and try to find some of these books because I think it, it is yeah. a fun chance to go back and see. Uh, these stories, I, I think it's, you know, we, there's so much content out right now, uh, in every format, you know, TV, film, books, comic books, you, that it's, it's great to kind of go backwards sometimes and just, uh, to have a chance to the, celebrate some of the classic da- stories. As daunting as it is for us to go back and tell these stories and try to find the right ones that will work for, uh, you know, connecting to a theme that might be going on, what's going on, a, a problem that's going on with the family, you know, yeah. for instance, you know, Maria's having trouble dealing with Frank's PTSD. Uh, and it's not, uh, you know, that's very similar to what MJ and Spider-Man yeah. go through. So, you know, finding ones that kind of relate to what might be going on for us. But uh, as tough as it is, it's been so much fun that literally my job for this is to just read comic books uh, so fun. <laughs> every day for yeah. a living. And, uh, and I even get the better version of it, which is Nick is often sending me the ones that he's now picked out of the bunch. He's like, oh, yeah, I've read like these seven. Just yeah, read yeah. These two. It's like, oh, great. This is great. Um, well, that has been our comic book commentary. I hope it's been interesting. Uh, you can find Nick and I on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. It's just our names. Um, and we love kind of keeping a dialogue about these books with you online. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been so great to see uh, – uh, you know, stuff get memed, stuff get, uh, you know, yeah. people talk about their favorite jokes or yeah. uh, fun moments. It's It's been a real blast for us. Uh, and I think that's the other, you know, kind of great thing about uh, comics are it's a little bit more, you know, it's a it's not being uh, doing stand up or performing live where you're getting that immediate reaction. Right. Uh, but it is re- it's much quicker than television and, and film yeah. uh, because, you know, it's a, you could almost on Wednesday, as, as soon as it's 10 a.m. on the East Coast, yeah. you can start to see people's reactions to the book. And it's been so much fun. And we're popping around the comic book shops wherever we are. I know I've been I've been actually lucky to be in different uh, states and just signing books whenever we get a chance. So we always try to make a stop in at the local comic book shops. uh, And uh, we have a bunch of signed books here throughout LA. We also have some books in Austin, Texas, and we have some books in, uh, oh my gosh, where was I? I was in uh, Nashville. Like, so there, there are books out there with uh, signatures on it. Um, And uh, yeah, we appreciate you listening and uh, we won't see you again on this podcast, but, uh, but follow us and listen to us in other ways. Thanks, Thank everyone. You, thanks so much. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get Dog. your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter Dog. and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.